Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it in. He's got it in. Taylor Siddle's got a hat trick on his birthday. Go on. Go Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm joined by Glenn this evening. Hello, Az. How are you? I am pretty good. I'm about to go on holiday, so it's my uh, second last... You bastard. I know. I know. <laughs> going north for the winter where it's a bit warm for a week. You're migrating. Migrating. Visiting, yeah. visiting family, so it'll be good. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. And I'm also joined by my namesake. Hello, Aaron. How are you? Hello, guys. How are we doing? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, we've got uh, another world, sorry, not world, uh, another Test 11 to do for by the country. Hope you've been listening. We've rattled off the West Indies in Zimbabwe over the last few episodes, um, yeah. which, yeah. So far, we it's haven't a bit had... of a gear shift, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, embarrassment of riches, and then, you know, a side that struggled a little. And it was good to sort of um, delve in and have a look at just some of the names that have been really standing up and trying to do a job for yeah, a struggling like country. You, you wouldn't get an opportunity to really look at those guys and look at the, the history. Uh, it gives me a better context of where Zimbabwean cricket is at, I think. And, and sort of the lost opportunities, I suppose, a bit too, because yeah. obviously they're a struggling nation and they're not really featuring that much on the world stage. And how many names, that are, especially in today's game, that you know could be more household names if they were given the opportunities to, to play more. Exactly. Uh, this week, we're going to jump across to their neighbours and we're going to deal with South Africa, and that has um, brought up a, a, a wealth of things to consider. You've got, uh, obviously, the post-apartheid teams that we've we've come to know, you know, the 90s onwards, and some of the, the megastars that represented South Africa then. Um, the South Africa has actually been a test nation since... Basically 1900. So how many of those players that led up to that are we going to factor in? Players like uh, Richards and Pollock that uh, had basically their entire careers of representing their nation um, taken away from them. What sort of 
you know, what sort of direction are we going to go on with them? Do they make the side sort of thing? So there's, yeah. it's, it's not as, as straightforward as um, one might think. There's lots of things to consider. So it's been a, it's been a really great week for it's, me. Looking it's into, a strong team. Oh, right. yeah. Um, it's really been really, really difficult to look at as an overall thing, batting order and team balance. Yeah, but team balance is something have, I've struggled with a lot. Well, I think South mass. Africa has, has has struggled with that over the years because they often have good all-rounders, mm. but I don't think they've maximised their worth. No, well, I mean, um, they, they have some of the greatest all-rounders in the history of the game. Yeah. I mean, full stop, not just in South Africa, in the history of the game. So well, yeah, two, exactly. of their, two of their most prominent, mo- prominent modern ones, which would be Callis and Pollock, I feel yeah. they've... Well, Pollock makes the team, when you look at it, everyone goes, oh, Pollock's that bowling all-rounder. You look at his record, yeah. and he makes the team <laughs> as, a, as a genuine bowler. And he, Callis, bats at, he bats at number eight, people. Yeah. He averages 32. Yeah, he's yeah. got 400 wickets at 23, which yeah. is better than a lot of bowlers. Yeah. And then you go the other side of the thing, Jacques Callis has, you know, what, 14-odd thousand runs, mm. 12,000 runs right. at 55, which is better than Ponting and Lara and Tendulkar and players like that. So they both made yeah. the sides and excelled yeah. and yet in their they, primary. They, they, they did play a lot, like their, their careers overlapped. They played a lot together. Mm. And you would have thought with two dominating all-rounders like that, South Africa would have dominated that era, but they didn't. Well, you know, oh. there's arguments that they, well, I think South Africa were largely the, the 2000s were comfortably the best team in the world. It yeah. was when At we, one point, Australia was on its downward trend after losing its greats and India hadn't really tapped the, the, the riches the IPL had, had thrown up yet. Yeah. And South but Africa. They didn't quite have that, that sort of dynasty. Uh, yeah, no, they never yeah. had a great dynasty. They were always very competitive and always up around the top of the rankings, but never, they never would go. Like the Australians did winning seventeen, and I think the other thing is they don't have any real marquee series. Yeah, you know they don't have an Ashes, they don't have a Border Gavaskar Trophy, like Tests. They don't play a lot of big Test series, and they obviously have got that choker moniker from all their one day international. I think they need to need to up their villainry a bit. You know, like they just seem like reasonable dudes. And you don't really want to beat them as much as say we want to beat Ben Stokes or Stuart Broad. I love I love watching <laughs> South Africa Australia series. I think yeah. they're some of the most enthralling. Like, oh, they're the, great. We yeah, love yeah. the Ashes, but if we're not playing in England, the Ashes are. Let's face it, they're boring. We're just yeah. watching someone beat up a helpless but, child, basically. But then again, like I, I can't, um, I can't think of a South African player that I hate. You know, like no. And there's actually yeah. quite a few that I can say that I really admire. Oh yeah, yeah. like so, South Africa is unquestionably my like other team. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. if I'll if there had to be another team, it would yeah. be South Africa. I yeah. love yeah. watching it South Africa couldn't be England. I don't, I don't mind the Kiwis except when we're playing them. Um, yeah. But the South Africans have turned out like A.B. De Villiers. Oh, yeah. Mr. 360. I mean, what more do you De Villiers and Dale Steyn. I've dead yeah. said have man crushes on them. They're amazing. <laughs> um, before we get started into yeah. the rest of our podcast, just want to have a quick chat. So the, the Kiwis are about to take on the Poms, who are being headed by one of the, the more famous Kiwis. That's uh, Brendan McCullum. So what do we think about that, guys, going forward from there? Obviously, we had our thoughts on um, the makeup of the England side last week, which were dashed with Harry Brooks' announce- well, the announcement that uh, Brook missed out and it would be Bairstow and Pope at the key batting positions that we thought yeah. were up for grabs. Yeah, well, I 
for one, a flabbergasted. I don't understand why you pick the guy and you don't play him in the choice. I mean, I'm very happy to see Ollie Pope in the team because I think, you know, we've spoken about him. There's no need to go on about him. Yeah. Um, what more do you need to do to get a test cap in England? Yeah. You, you're averaging 151. And I think I think you and not because you've got a stack of not outs, mm. because you've made seven hundred and ninety runs at a hundred and fifty. And I think you put it very succinctly last week: is that there's a lot to like about Johnny Bairstow. He gives a hundred and fifty percent for his country. He plays his ass off. He's a fighter. He does things the right way. But there's a reason that he's got a pretty mediocre average. Yeah. And and you you put it succinctly, he's the generation of English cricket that you're trying to get away from. Yeah. So you've got Stokes, you've got Root, you've got Anderson, you've got Broad, you've got some old heads there. Yeah. Like let's balance it out. Yeah. Get some, some get blood. some new blood in there. Yeah. Um. You know, and I suppose it, it, there is a risk that there's a lot of new blood. You know, you've yeah. got Crawley and Lees, and yeah, now but- Pope, who's not a proven commodity. But, you know, what's one more? This guy is brilliant. You've got to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Like, and you could have batted him at three. How long, yeah. how long do you persist with Bairstow waiting for the right time to bring him in? So what happens is so Bairstow's the guy that sticks around because he's the experienced head, and then Crawley and Lees don't get it right, and Pope still doesn't figure it out. So you bring in a new three people. You've got Brooke eyeballed at five. That's where you want to put Brooke ideally. You want to play him out of position. So you bring in another three people. So then it's not right for Brooke because you still want to make sure there's some experience. And then those two, and, you know, just like just just pull you, the trigger. You can go pull around and around and around in circles with all of this about having experienced heads and everything like that. Your captains play, what, 70-odd test matches now, Ben Stokes, yeah? Mm. 60, 70 test matches. Joe Root's played how many test matches? Um, Anderson and Broad have played how many mm. test matches? You know, you, how much more experience and knowledge... There's only so far experience insane. gets you when yeah. the out, like the return is mediocre. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. And Johnny Bairstow, yeah, I'm sorry. And, and the problem with, with a batsman like missing out like that is... You know, you want to examine your batsmen over time. And you also you know, want to do it while they're in a, form. Yeah, exactly. If someone has a bad test, like, does that mean, are they going to drop someone for him in the, the second test? No. Well, so, you'd, you'd hope not. You'd, you'd you'd, been you would imagine so, that so at, at best he might get yeah. one test. If they've left him out of the first test, he won't play the second. Because you don't know, you, you'll you'll use the first test to gauge how you. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna drop anyone on the first game. Yeah, of the exactly. Summer Even if they get a pair, you're probably gonna stick with them because you're like, okay, no, this was our conviction. Um, so at best, he he'd get a third test, and it, it may well be over by then. The way yeah. New Zealand are playing, especially in English conditions, right. they they handed it to India. Yeah, I really do think that the New Zealanders. <laughs> Just on the squad that we had a quick look at previously. Yeah, so we weren't we weren't one hundred percent sure of the squad, but it looks like it's basically back to full strength. Um, their uh, IPL players are making their way over. Williamson will be there shortly. He's finishing off um, some paternity leave or something, I believe. He's left the IPL early and right. finishing that off. He'll be back over there. But yeah, so that's it's all the big names that you'd come to expect will be there. Wagner's there, Southie, Bolt, uh, Williamson, and, uh, and who's uh, replaced? Ross Taylor these days. He, well, well, well that'll be, that'll that's be the big thing. Be, we were talking about it. I think personally you're going to have, um, you're obviously going to have Tom Latham 
as one of the openers, you're going to have Williamson at three and you're going to have Henry Nichols at five oh, or six. Devin Conway, for sure, would have to be the other well, opener. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. Oh, so yeah, we, we've, taken, we've taken care of I that. I love Devin Conway. He's he's so then you've got... You've got, got player, like, isn't he? Yeah. I love how he can change gears. Man, he plays yeah. good test cricket, but he's a good... you got, you got Daryl Mitchell, you got Henry Nichols... Um, to come in, you got Colin de home if you want to play sort of the all rounder and strength like length and you tell like there's plenty of options. It will. Uh, will Young's actually had a really strong um, sort of county season as well. He'll be coming over there with uh, you know plenty to prove. So it'll be an interesting yep. couple of days until the test starts. We can see the final makeup of this side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just before we go, what uh, predictions? How we think it's going to happen? Um, a, two nil Kiwis. Two nil Kiwis. Yeah, I mean. Knowing the uh, weather in England, I'll I'll agree. I think New Zealand will get it done, but I reckon uh, the rain will save England in one of them. <laughs> I do think that I would like to see England get on the board. Um, right, but, I wouldn't. But uh, I don't. I don't think we'll get three results, and I think England. Uh, I think the Kiwis will win the series. So by that sense, it'll have to be it's, a. It's not quite like Australia playing over there. You know, the, the Kiwis know how to play those conditions. Yeah, the Kiwis um, have. And the Kiwis have an, I think, you play Jamison, who's your reasonably sharp bowler, who gets the extra bounce. You play you play him Wagner, possibly, and Southam. Southam Southam Bolton, Bolton, those conditions will just, They're yeah. just going to, they're going to wreak havoc mm. if there's anything in those wickets. Yeah. Juke ball. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I, I'm with you guys. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Kiwi victory. So I think we're going, we're all going a consensus 2 0 victory. All right. Well, good luck to our cousins from across the Dutch. Take down those palms for us and um, we'll check back in a couple of weeks after you've decimated them. Best of luck. Uh, after this, we're going to have a bit of a chat about uh, the upcoming Australian cricket itinerary. He's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! We have an action packed 12 to 18 months of cricket ahead of us as Australians. Absolutely action-packed. Uh, so we're going to run through the schedule here and just offer us some thoughts and things like that on that. So we're going to be kicking off in the very, very near future with the Tour to Sri Lanka, which we've obviously been speculating about for a little while now. Three T20s, three ODIs, two tests. Bang. Nice. August, September, we've got six ODIs, three against Zimbabwe, three against New Zealand. Three against Zimbabwe. But we won't play a test match against them. No. I was thinking the same thing when I heard that. So we're inviting them to bring a full squad out for a, t- a T20, what is it, a, like a tri-series type event or is a individual series? I'd have to, I have to look into the actual... But we can't, we can't find another two or three days to accommodate them for a test match. I think, yeah, this is, this is something that we've talked about passionately at length outside of the podcast. And I think this is one of the examples of Australia being a very, very disrespectful cricket neighbour um, because we're obviously prioritising limited overs cricket in the lead up to the T20 World Cup which we're about to take part in but Zimbabwe actually came to us and requested that we play a test match now why are you here why not with the we've got so for the rest of the schedule leading up to the to the World Cup so like I said so we've got the three ODIs August September so 60 days and we've got Three ODIs against Zimbabwe and three ODIs against uh, New Zealand, and then we've got three o uh, three T Twenties in India. So we've got nine days of cricket booked in for two months. B- for two months, and we can't play a Test match with 
a struggling test o- match. October, so we're leading up to the World Cup as well. October, we've got the West Indies in England for six T20s. Right. So, so we're about to lay. We're about to have the goose that lays the golden egg yeah. sitting on our neck. One of the most profitable things that yeah. the the world cricket, you know, IPL obviously being the most profitable, yeah. but the, probably the most profitable world cricket event being the T Twenty World Cup. We're about to host, mm. and you're one hundred percent right. We can't find you know, in the goodness of our hearts, to go and maybe lose a bit of money to put on a first-class game. And don't give me this rubbish that the players, oh, you need to make sure the players are in cotton wool. You know what? If you really wanted to, to, to cotton wool Stark and cotton wool these guys and, and Smith and Sako, there's no shame in then bringing the next guys up. Exactly. And give them a go. And we're not talking about guys who haven't had previous experience. I mean, well, we were talking about it off air. We named just off the top of our heads four, four guys who've got baggy greens who've done well or relatively yeah. well when they've had the opportunity. Yeah. Rest Smith, Labuschagne, Warner. Yeah. Rest Stark, yeah. bring in a Jai Richardson yeah, bring or a, a Michael Nisa. Bring in a Renshaw. Or, or a Swepson. I suppose yeah. it doesn't really matter because Lyon doesn't play those games anyway, so yeah. he'll play. Yeah. But, you know... You could put a, you could put four of your regulars in and pick seven guys who've been on the fringe, and Zimbabwe would be so grateful, and they would make some money out of it, and they get some valuable experience. That's all they want. They and just they want would the experience. Get some encouragement. Exactly. Right. There is there is millions of people that would give their right arm to like if they came and asked me, going, look, it's Zimbabwe. We're not going to send our top squad. Uh, no one wants a game. Aaron, do you want to come and bat at six for Australia against Zimbabwe? Like I wouldn't even think yes. Afterwards, I'd realise, my God, I'm going to have to play against actual cricketers sometime soon. But I'd be there. Yeah, give me that baggy green. Definitely. I will be there. Um, I mean, it's really just all about them learning. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that Zimbabwe would give Australia a shake. It would probably be over in three days anyway. It's just just a valuable learning experience to go, okay, here's where we're at. And here's where they're at. And and what a great opportunity to maybe pay back some of the fans, say, in far north Queensland or Darwin that never get international cricket. Yeah. And and just put on a top-end test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we've done it before. And, and yeah, it's just – it's – laughable that we haven't tried to accommodate that, especially considering we've what, had well, Perth, 18 months out of the game where we didn't play anyone. Even yeah. give it to Perth since they missed out on a test. Oh, screw Perth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, no, no. I think, I think yeah. at the very least, they could have arranged some type of Australian 11 versus Zimbabwe first class game even. You know, don't stuff around with it. Give, them, give it test status. These are test stats. And if Australia's not going to be ballsy enough to play its full 11 because they want to wrap the players up in cotton wool, there are plenty of players. Could you imagine if Jai Richardson goes out there and takes seven for, or, you know, Peter Hanscom goes out and they give him a crack and he goes and scores a double hundred? Like, he'll take that. He'll be sitting there going, how do you drop me now? Mm -hmm. Travis Head would be absolutely frothing at the mouth to play that because he knows if he gets a couple more big scores, like, I've just come off a big summer, I didn't have a particularly great tour of Pakistan. If he comes out and has a a poor tour of um, Sri Lanka, he'd be frothing at the bit to play first-class cricket because I don't want to lose my number five spot. Yeah, I'll I'll play Zimbabwe. Give me a crack. I'll go out there and see if I can put 200 on him and make sure no one's thinking about dropping me. Yeah, so that was Alex like that. Carey. Alex Carey would be loving the opportunity to have more to, to get in there and bat. Like it's just yeah, yeah. it's an example it's of us being a, poor a very, and it's a very missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward from there, like I said, <laughs> so we've got um, England and the West Indies in October, which brings us to the T Twenty World Cup. So we're hosting that. 
Uh, after the conclusion of the World Cup, we're hosting England for three ODIs. Um, and then that we get into the test summer where we're hosting the West Indies for two tests and South Africa for three tests. So as we were talking about earlier, we got to play South Africa. I love playing South Africa, so it should be good. Um, after that, uh, one of the two biggest tours that Australia have, we've got February, March, the tour of India for four tests. And then June, July, we have the Ashes tour of England. Mm-hmm. So in the space of 18 hours, we've had the Goose lay free golden eggs for us. Yeah. Right. Three of our three of the most profitable things Australian cricket does. Um, then we go to in August we have a tour of South Africa for three tests, and I'm thinking that was a little confusing because I don't know what the weather's like in South Africa. But I thought August would be pretty early to be playing Test cricket over there. They've got a fairly similar mm, yeah. sort of weather that we do in the times yeah. of year that um, that we play. Well, but we wouldn't be playing Test cricket in August here. No, so obviously it's a little better off in August because they've planted it in there. But yeah, so we've got we've got six games against South Africa, and you know the next year, so news, and then we finish off that twenty two twenty three sort of season with an ODI World Cup in India. So, so four were golden eggs. Yeah, in the space of basically <laughs> space of sixteen months, months yeah. eighteen months. Yeah, look, I um, it's going to be very interesting to see how yeah well, breaking the bank to bankroll a Zimbabwe Australia Test match. Would not hurt cricket Australia at this no. point. No, you could drop you drop half a million dollars on the organisation, the costs, and everything like that. You've been valuable experience. You've been a good neighbour for once. Because I think and, that the, um, the knock on effect is that if if England, Australia, and India keep thinking insular and looking after their own bottom line, yeah. there won't be anyone to play Test cricket against before too long. Like how yeah. like how long has it got to be before we teams like? The West Indies and you know Afghanistan and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka and these guys go. Our players earn loads of money playing in franchises. It costs so much money to put these on. When we could just go and play T Twenty in one day, is which bring the crowds more than than Tests do. Yeah. Maybe we'll just we just won't play Test cricket, or maybe play a handful of Tests a year and nothing else. And then all of a sudden, you've only got. I think we need to throw a few brickbats towards the ICC in, in this occasion as well. Well, I don't what, think we can really blame the ICC. Like, this is just us, like, yeah, right now. I know. Look, I think really the ICC should be mandating at some stages that these guys have to be playing X amount of tests in X amount of time. And whoever it happens to be against, you know, whether you do it on a rotating roster, whether you, you draw the names out of a hat, I don't know. And well, one personally of... really don't care. We need to be playing more games... Everybody needs to be playing more games against each other. Well, that was one of the things before. I'm not going to go too deep into this rabbit hole because we could be talking a lot about this for for ages. But when we're talking about improving the World Test Championship, and one of the suggestions I had was making it a a two-tiered system. So if you finish at the bottom of the the World Test Championship, um, you've then got to play off against the the you have a, another championship going between Zimbabwe, Ireland, Afghanistan, and then you know ideally probably want to have another one. So uh, there isn't another nation, but if you find another nation that's close to being a test ready, you know fast track there. Well, you'd probably be looking at a, a nation like a, a Netherlands or a Scotland, or potentially an Oman as well. Like yeah. there's a couple of those Middle Eastern ones that look yeah. like. But yeah. Whatever it is, like if it's three, it's three, so be it. But ideally, you probably want to go to four, just to so yeah. you know you can have a series one, you know, one and two, and three and four are playing against each other. So there's lots of cricket going on. So the top of that table plays the bottom of the World Test Championship, and they 
they go Almost up. Almost like up. promotion and relegation. Yeah. yeah. And then part of that is that the World Test, um, that the ICC mandates that everyone in the um, the top tier have to play a home and away fixture against, against one, one team or a team each. So it can't work. Right. If it wants to be the same, you can make it the same. But they've got to play a home and away fixture of a minimum of two tests against one of these bottom tier ones. So, for example, in that two-year period, Australia would have to go to, say, Ireland for a test series and invite Afghanistan over for a test series mm-hmm. in two years. And I don't think that's a massive ask because, we like Australia, we've got the ability to go and play at the top end so we can extend our playing summer yeah. to accommodate that. Um, and, yeah, and that's how it's got to, So they get experience playing these top-tier nations and then hopefully then get the opportunity then to be relegated up or down. And that being said, too, that if you, if by some stretch at the moment, England would be in dire straits to being at the bottom, and if they end up getting relegated, it gives that path for Australia to go, well, we're going to play a five-test series against a... Um, nah. against a, a, a tier two nation, and that was, still gets us the Ashes. Yeah. So we're never we're never not able to play the Ashes. And it would be hilarious. And it would be hilarious because... <laughs> well, it, well, wouldn't we have some fun in the crowd at, at those games, man? Yeah. But, and I think that's, yeah, it's something that needs to go down because if, if the ICC really does want to protect Test cricket, and they should because that is yes. what cricket is. Yeah. Um, lo- love it or hate it or you don't like it, cricket is a multi-day co- a game. Yeah. It takes... Four to five days to play. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a bastardization of that. Yeah, one day cricket and teaching one cricket might be entertaining, but cricket, the sport, is a four mm-hmm. to five day game. So they need to protect that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they need to protect a lot of things. The ICC, but um, and yeah. I just wanted we, to we share. Don't have, we don't. We that's a very very deep rabbit hole that we don't really want to go down. To yeah, we'd be we'd be chatting about that for like I'm very passionate around around that. That I, I love the idea of the World Test Championship. Yes, it means tweaking, and we definitely need like if you're Afghanistan, Ireland, Zimbabwe right now, like why would you bother playing Test cricket? Why even have a Test team? Because you never get to play. There's no point to playing. Like the World Test Championship was there to give teams that have played a a lot, a lot more cricket a reason to do it. Like so, if if you're struggling to give. Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, those sort of play, you know teams are reason to play. Why would you just why make Afghanistan and um, Ireland test, test nations, nations and yeah. then just not play test cricket against them? So yeah. it should be encouraging more of that. And just one more thing to make you guys blood boil before we uh, we move on. So yeah, we've got a fantastic international itinerary coming up, but. One of the things that will be missing from our TVs during that time is that there will be no day-night one-day internationals. Really? They're being scrapped to make room for the Big Bash. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Who do we write a letter to about that? How ridiculous is that? So this is okay. I should say this is preface, but this is a report. This is a proposed move. It hasn't. I don't think All it's right. actually been struck down yet. Okay. But that is the move to make the to more relevance to the Big Bash to AL because I think Cricket Australia are privately a bit worried because it's been steadily tracking down. Yeah, the TV companies aren't stupid; they've got access to all that information, and they've got a TV deal coming up, so they're not going to go and fork out shitloads of money to a product that they know that has got a documented history of becoming less and less profitable. Well, so they're well, trying to find about, some way to look at the structure of the Big Bash, like we've talked about before. Yeah. That's 
That's the way to do the it. The answer is not to take one-day internationals off TV. That's two no. wrongs make a right. No. The two wrongs are still making a wrong. Yeah. And, and we compromise. I mean, it, it kind of goes against all these things that they're talking about. They're, they're preparing for these World Cups and everything. We've got a World Cup in 50 over cricket coming up, not that far down the And there will be day-nighters in that. And... In India, where day night yes. is actually huge because there are substantial differences between playing during the day and playing at night. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, to take away that experience, I mean, most of the guys have played lots of day nighters anyway, but you don't take them out of the schedule. They're part of the Australian cricket summer. And quite and the frankly, whole point was to help get crowds go yeah. through the door because you can go, oh, well, it starts at, you know, 10 or 1 or whatever it is, I'll miss right. the first innings, but I might head down to the G, watch the, the run chase. That'll be pretty rad after I finish work, sort of. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah, just another near-sighted, very near-sighted move by Cricket Australia. Absolutely. Um, and th- one final, final point is he's the, he's the flavour, the hot topic of the moment. Um, do we think that Tim David will feature... In the Australian T20 squad, either for the World Cup or in any of the subsequent T20s that were leading up to it, oh, I think he'd get a guarantee somewhere. They need to have a look at him. And wouldn't it be nice to have him, Maxwell, in the middle order? He has been. I don't understand he how he hit 117 meters six the other day. He's been very dynamic. 117 meters. Um, I just don't understand how he didn't get more games at the beginning of the IPL well, for he, um, Mumbai. He, he didn't do well in his first couple. I mean, that was the whole thing because I was I was wondering the same thing, and I watch a fair bit of the IPL when I get a chance, and um, he he hadn't done well, but then he had an innings a few weeks ago where he's come out and just smashed about forty off about. He must he mustn't have played. Must have dropped him after his first one or two because yeah, he, they um, did. He he, fa- he failed. Like he got because like I haven't watched many of the games, but I've been keeping track of the the stats basically the whole way through, checking the box score or the, no. the scorecard most mornings, no. and. Um, you know, checking to see, yeah, oh, he didn't get a game this time. And then, yeah, not about two weeks ago, finally started getting a consistent crack and no big totals, but like no. lots of like, you know, 20s off 10 balls yeah. and 31s off 14 balls and 22 off eight and yeah. um, exactly what Australia's been Looking missing. For um, that momentum that he brings to the middle order. And he, and he bowls a little bit as well, I think. Yes. Some gentle offies, I think, is yeah, what he bowls. I don't. No. You would never pick him for his bowling, but he is sort of like, oh, no. you know, if some, if you've got a partnership that's absolutely cooking, you're like, oh, what's the worst that could happen? No. Um, they're already going at eleven and over. Let's just see <laughs> if he buys this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would be. A lot of the talk is um, right now because Finch had an awful IPL. No, I think is, the more that Aaron Finch is playing, the more that people are looking at him and saying, no, mate, it's time to go. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's been a great servant. He's been a wonderful captain. And he's he walk away with, you know, many accolades out of the game. But the longer you stay now, I've already you're said compromising your... You're compromising the team and your legacy. Yeah, and your legacy. Yeah. The the thing is, uh, I'm pretty much resigned to the fact that he will play in the one day. It's sorry, the T20 World Cup. It just will happen. Yeah. Because it's oh, now June, and yeah. they're not going to have a new captain for October. But I'm very concerned they'll look at that and go, the ODI World Cup's only eight months. Eight right? months after that. Yeah. We'll, we'll just keep him around for that. Yeah. It's just like he shouldn't be playing in this World Cup. Don't give him two farewells. He's not yeah. Jimmy Farnham for. 
Yeah, well, Johnny Farm. That, whatever. Yeah, we, you, the guy who kept coming back when he shouldn't have, basically. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I've, I've always loved Aaron Finch as a, as a batsman in spite of the fact that his technique is to make me cringe. And Oh, he's been a fantastic servant for Australia. Yeah. There's, don't get me wrong, but just, you know, Father Time hasn't caught up to him. He hasn't been a consistent performer at the top of the order for Australia in a long, long even not even just Australia, but even in franchise cricket. Franchise cricket. I mean, when was the last time he made some runs for the Renegades? When was the last time he made some runs for his franchise? Yeah. He didn't make any runs. Was it KKR this year? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't make any runs for them. Yeah. I've seen him get out a couple of times, just, you know, those typical nothing shots that he sort of plays where he plays all around the ball. I think he had a four. I think he had a forty-six ball fifty early on, and then it's just been a graveyard since uh, then. Uh, well, forty-six ball fifty in is, the IPL is like pedestrian. Yeah, that's like it's almost as bad as uh, the what the two hundred ball sixty that Gavaskar got in the one day <laughs> yeah, World Cup. World Cup yeah, <laughs> he said, "I'm not getting out." Anyway, so yeah, so it's a massive, massive uh, twelve months of cricket coming up for Australia, and yeah, there's some good things that we we're excited for, and there's some bits that make us shake our head a bit. But uh, one thing is for certain, we are not going to be bored. It is going to be amazing. Like I said, we've got um, the T20 World Cup, two of the biggest tours that Australia have got. We get to play South Africa twice, which is yeah. going to make me happy, and um, then we've got a world, an ODI World Cup. So, well, I mean. We sound like we're downgrading the South Africans a little bit. I mean, then not to be downgraded at all. Oh, that's absolutely. One the, that's one of the big test series in the world, you're playing against the South Africans. It's just like you said, we don't have that iconic little trophy or, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That, I think that they're, they're rebuilding right now. Um, oh, look, well, I, we, well, I, we think they're gonna be, I think they're going to be a competitive team. Especially over there. Yeah, I think yeah. Rabada is... In the top three, four bowlers in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's too much doubt about that. They've got Ramada, they've just got to find... Walk in, he'd walk into the most world 11s. They've got to find two... Oh, there, no, no country in the world has three better fast bowlers than Rabada. He would walk into every single team. Yeah. He'd beat out at least one fast bowler from every single nation, unequivocally. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, and, and, and Maharaj is just, yeah, chipping away. Yeah. Quite, quite and, a they're, they're given. There's a lot of new names in that team in that batting lineup that are making their way. But you, and I think they're being sort of well led by that Bavuma Elgar. Yeah. Sort of yeah. top there. There's they're 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 punchy. They're gritty. They're yeah. They've, there's they've, no there's no one that's really like dominating with the bat, but they're they're doing it by committee. There's everyone sort of yeah. standing up and getting a bit of a job and done. And they've got that young fella at number three. I forget his name. Uh, Keegan Peterson. That's him. And he looks like he's, he's going to be something. They just need to track. find, they need to find a couple of batsmen that will consistently turn starts into hundreds and yeah, they're going to be right his, up. That's been his Achilles so far. He's like, I think he's four or five fifties in his few test matches and hasn't gone on I think he did get three fifties against India. Or yeah. Didn't. But didn't get past 70. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, well, on the topic of South Africa, straight after this, we're going to get into what we think is the best South African 11 of all time.
bit of my nerdy side slipping through there with uh, the theme song for this uh, sound, this segment, but uh, I like it, so that's what we're going to do. So, guys, we've got South African Test Eleven of all time, and uh, we've all all been doing homework. I'm really proud of you, Glenn. This is two two assignments in a row, and I know it was a bit of a collaborative effort, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, but it was a collaborative effort before the beginning yeah, of the episode, yeah, true, which true. is it wasn't, it different wasn't to like... so many times that we've had to do homework, whereas uh, we're scrambling to do it in between segments. Well, I would have been struggling if I didn't do any. You know, like there's a couple of all timers that you could probably just think of off the top of your head because they're modern and I've seen them play. Yeah. But South Africa goes back a long time, as we've already yeah. said. Yeah. So the, the biggest problem, well, there's a few problems with this whole thing, okay? The first one is how much weight do you place on pre-apartheid as opposed to post-apartheid, okay, which is the modern era, okay, with the benefits of all the technology and everything you get about the bats, the better grounds, whatever it happens to be. Um, batting order. The batting order who we're going to put out is like I don't I don't know where where to start with half of them because they're all so versatile and all such so many good players that you can slot into any of these positions. Yeah, and and free the plethora of all rounders to choose from. Yeah, that will comfortably walk into most Test Elevens in pretty much any era. So that was. The big challenge I found. The fast yeah, bowlers for me. How do you manage your, your rounders? That's you know you got to get the most out of them. Exactly, and I mean, um, how many of them do you pick? Yeah, I've got, I got, I got three in my well, for, I, for my my uh, proposed my players that I've got. How I envision it. Obviously, we're not picking a team each. We've got to yeah, collaboratively well, come up with it. But with the team that I've gone with, how I envision it, I've got, I've got three all rounders in my. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm playing a minimum of two, but I didn't pick a full team because there's a few, obviously, things that are still up in the air. I've still got to find another two players for my 11. And I don't know which way to go. Do I throw another all-rounder in there? Mm. Do I throw another batsman in there? Well, see, the thing is, if we don't, the, the problem I've got, bowling. if we don't go with one of my all-rounders, so we only go with two of mine, and one. Like, I've got two bowling all-rounders and one batting all-rounder. And if we only go with the one bowling all-rounder, I feel that I would need to then drop him for a batsman. So then it shuffles my order around as well. But I think let's start at the top because I feel we've both yeah. we've all landed on large of this. I'd imagine large of the same openers. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the first being Graham Smith, yeah. who I think is close to being one of the most loved South African batsmen. In Australia, after that yeah. valiant, gallant yeah. effort at the SCG, yeah. um, and he also did us the decency of losing the game, so yeah. he didn't even have to and, feel bad about and that. It's not the first time he did it either. No, you He's, know he copped an absolute pasting from Mitchell Johnson in that in those few in that brief time. I mm. think he broke his he broke his thumb. He broke. I think he broke his elbow as well at one stage too. And it's it's one of the yeah. things that are that. Um, Whenever Australian crowds get a bad rap, I always want to just like share, like spam that video clip where yeah. we've taken the last or the eighth, the ninth wicket, yeah. and everyone's like, oh, "Okay, Graham Smith didn't bat 
yeah. in the last innings. There's no yeah. way he's going to be like you know he, he broke his hand, he didn't come out to field. Yeah. He's not coming out. Game's over, and there's that moment where the crowd's sort of going, "Yeah, oh, wait, no one's shaking hands yet." And then you can almost see the crowd's heads all turn to the dressing room, and you see Graham Smith come trotting out with his helmet and everything, and there it is just synchronized applause. The whole stadium stands up. It is one of the best ovations I've seen any player, not let alone an Australian. I think maybe Viv Richards' last game in Australia was probably the only thing I've seen come close to a touring player get an ovation, yeah. an ovation that. Um, even Sachin's last tour, he didn't get those sort of ovations when he was coming out. It was <laughs> broken an arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and you could plainly see that he was not okay. He, no. he couldn't hold the bat, but he was just like, you know what? We've got, what, half an hour? Yeah. If I can just not get out for half an hour, mm. then my team doesn't lose. Yeah. And I just love that about him. He's been the captain of Jammed South. down on a few Yorkers yeah. that uh, Mitchell Johnson said, yeah, And it's down. not like when Mitch, when he walked out that Mitchell Johnson said, oh, I'm not going to aim at your hand. Oh, yeah, the first thing was like, a, <laughs> I'm not going to aim at yeah, your I hand. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's the problem. Like, yeah. You know, you're out there, you're fair game. Yeah, absolutely. If you walk out there with a broken arm, if you're stupid enough to do it, they're going to give you everything. So going a bit further than that, Graham Smith scored 9,000 runs at 48, which is phenomenal for an opener. Predominantly played in good bowling conditions. He you know, he played a lot in Australia. He played a lot in yeah. South Africa, obviously, and then played a lot in England. He did so well in England. His English record was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's also a stat. I'm pretty sure it holds true for his whole career. South Africa have not lost a game that Graham Smith scored 100 in, yeah. which is... Yeah. And he scored quite a few of them. Yeah, he was a very young captain as well. And and 21 I, or something, I think. He wasn't and 22. I honestly think when you consider the um, the wheeling and dealing that goes behind the scenes, I think South Africa is the team that I'd like to captain the least after India. Yeah. Yeah. No, the politics. The, yeah. The, yeah. He came out in a cricket, uh, cricket Legends interview and they asked him point blank, like, how often did you get the team that you wanted? And he said, I probably got the team that I wanted less than half the time. Which I think is staggering, because yeah. um, I'd have to imagine that Graham Smith is coming from a. This is the team that I think will win the game, yeah. not that I only want to play with my white mates. Because I've got no indication that that's how Graham Smith would be. So I'm sitting there thinking he's looking at. All right, we're playing the Aussies at uh, at Durban, and I think that you know blah 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 are the right people to have for this side, and they go, no, no. you're going to have these blah, guys, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, and so he got. The success that he had because he led, he led a side that in an era where no one won overseas. He was doing it. He mm. was taking South Africa to Australia, taking South Africa to England, taking them to India, and, and winning, winning games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was doing that on a side that he had all of that rubbish going on in the background. Going, yeah, he's the yeah. colour of his skin's not the right colour, so he can't play because you've got too many of the ones that are that colour. So. You, um, so, yeah, absolutely staggering and retired before his time. Yeah. Could have easily played probably another 30, 40 tests. If he, and yeah. I imagine that mentally would have had a toll, being a captain for that long under those conditions. And he's just gone, yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, he could see the writing on the wall, the, the, the guns of his era were going away, heading on their way out. And he's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to go on top. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Uh-huh. Well, should we go to the next yeah. Uh, honourable mention, honourable mention, because we did have this discussion when we put our team together, uh, to Gary Kirsten. Yeah. 
I think he just has been edged out by the fact that it's pure quality that, you know, Gary Kirsten uh, played a long time through the mid-90s. Yeah, so he, he was there from the, the readmission and yep. um, did a good job. And um, opened up, uh, I think he ended up with an average of about 46. Yeah. Not quite good enough to get you into this side. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so if, if uh, you know, Gary Kirsten is the honourable <clears throat> mention, I'm pretty sure that means that we're all thinking that um, we're going on the with the side of lost potential or missed potential, which would be yeah. Barry Richards. Yeah, I can't go past Barry Richards. Barry yeah. Richards one of the finest players I've laid eyes on. So, some numbers for you. Four tests, 500 runs at 72, and he played the majority of those against Australia. So, And that was a pretty good Australian side. Um, 339 first-class games, with, you know, in an era where first-class meant a lot. Yeah. 80 first-class hundreds, wasn't it? 28,000 First class runs at fifty four, opening the batting predominantly in England. Right. Um uh eighty hundreds, hundred and fifty two fifties. Right. Yeah. You and gotta then, have it. And then you couple in with that five World Series cricket matches and five hundred and fifty four runs at seventy nine. Now, Barry Richards played a third of the available World Series cricket matches and was ninth in the top ten run scorers. Right. Despite playing a third of the games, this guy, and that was Australia and the West Indies. The very best of the bowl was in the world. 200s and 250s in five games. So he played his, his four tests pre-apartheid, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he would have been way too old after. Yeah, so his average, <laughs> his average, his average like, I think I said 500 runs in four tests, but the average was at 72. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, there's no way of knowing how he would have gone, but like yeah. those numbers, most of the people, surely they most of the people who are a lot smarter than us, when I talk about Barry Richards, say one of the most gifted batsmen that's ever lived. I never, I think yeah. Brad, Bradman even had really yeah. just astonishing like levels yeah. of... You know, Bradman rated him. him. Bradman really rated him. Yeah. He's actually called him the finest batsman in the world today at, he, at, at, at the time. I think it was like when he was playing for South Australia and he was like just making hundreds for fun in the Shield competition. He said, yeah. this guy is the finest player in the world. Right. Well, pretty strong endorsement, I think. <laughs> yeah. If Bradman's given you the, uh, yeah, the he's, endorsement. He's in. He's in. He's in. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, you know, Bradman, Bradman made that decision for Now, this is, this, is the, <laughs> this is the interesting part now because we've got our openers. Yeah. This is where the batting order challenge is, which is the big thing. Because Well, I'll, I'll tip off the edge and get the, the ball rolling and let's have a bit of a robust discussion. I'm going with Callus at three. Yeah. Um, I'm a super, let's, let's just put it out here on the table. Callus is making this side. Yeah. He's a lock. So we're, we're quibbling about where we put him. Yeah. 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 I think in, this, in the team that I have, the, it's not outlandish to have him batting at three. I would have no great his best positions four obviously, but he's a you know Graham Pollock is going to bat at four in my team. Mm. Yeah, and I think so, one of the, the criticisms so it was I don't, three or five for me with Callus. And I think one of the criticisms yeah. of Callus, which I don't think necessarily is a fair criticism, of no one they they don't rate him as being dynamic enough. He always just no, he's not accumulates a, yeah. his runs and all that whinging. Like runs are runs. Let's yeah. face it. He's got a stack of player of the match awards. Like the guy clearly has an impact on cricket games. Yeah. But if you've got a guy that you've got Barry Richards, who is an incredible stroke maker. Um, 
Graham Pollock, who I, I think from your what you were saying just then indicates that you're leaning towards Pollock. It, I'm also leaning towards Pollock. There is no, he is one of the absolute locks. So, and he's a guy that was also very flamboyant, could play a lot of shots. This is a guy that can just shore up that. He's a rock at the top, and people can bat around him. Yeah. He'll just yeah. chew and up he, time, and he, and he can go long himself. Yeah, he can. You know, how many big daddy hundreds did Carlos oh, make out? Like we're talking one hundred and fifty plus. Well, like. You know, yeah, yeah, and I like Mark War, but I'll take a I'll take Jacques Callas scoring a slow daddy hundred over an aggressive you know hundred and ten from a player like you know Mark War or someone like that any day of the week. I, I don't think batting at three would have like he batted I think lo- a lot of his career at four, but I don't think going one step up with no, his I, technique it wouldn't. And wouldn't I'm worry. sure, and I'm pretty sure I remember yeah. him batting at three in some of his earlier Test matches when he first came. I could be wrong. Team, I'm pretty sure he batted at three for a, a period of time when he first uh, when he first came in. Yeah, and I remember him holding the the card the house of cards together. <laughs> While yeah. everything was... Yeah. I remember him yeah. playing a fantastic innings. I think it was one of his first Test 100s. He got 100 in Melbourne, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah. he just defied us. And we couldn't yeah. get him out. So, yeah, I think it was a pretty big 100. So he uh, he had 280 innings, 170 of them he batted at four, and, 70, oh, right. and 78 of them he had batted at three. Right. So, so I think putting him in at three in that... And he averaged 50 batting at three. Yeah. It's not foreign to him. Yeah. 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 And he averaged 50 batting at three, so he's only five runs and innings down on his stats. Yeah. So, yeah, look, he's one of those, him and Graham Pollock. Yeah. yeah. 13,000 runs at 45, and then we're not even talking about his bowling, so 290 wickets at 32. So yeah. definitely I don't think job. he's getting much of a bowl in this side, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> and the sides that I think that we're sort of thinking of, that he will be surplus to like, requirements. Can you yeah. imagine a guy I mean, that had... If a guy goes down injured or, you know, nah. it's a... Depending on conditions as well. True. Because he was true. a very good swing bowler. Yeah, exactly. He, he, one, he, that's a big thing about Callis is he would make the ball do something. Mm. But in this side, you wouldn't. he wouldn't have to bowl unless his con- the yeah. conditions really suited him. He, it would be a... Um, yeah. A Bennett, like a bonus to have, be yeah, it's like, it oh, would yeah. be a requirement to rely bit, on Callis. Bit, uh, bit overcast. We might give Jacques the ball. Cool. Well, then I'm assuming then we can just uh, jump in and go Pollock at four. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Um, so just some raw numbers for people that aren't as you know cluey as us. Uh, 2200 <laughs> runs at 61. Aren't seven, as googly as us. <laughs> seven hundreds and eleven fifties, and coupled with that. 20,000, nearly 21,000 first-class runs at 54 with 6,400s and 9950s. Usually talked about by people that were sort of following cricket in that era as, you know, he and Barry Richards are the, the finest batsmen South Africa has, has produced. It's just been a consistent talking point. Who are the best batsmen South Africa have got? Uh, Barry Richards and Graham Pollock. Yeah. Um, I've seen him bat against the Rebel Tours when the Rebel Australians and the Rebel English and stuff like that, they went over there to play those yeah. tours. He was 45 years old at the time, and he belted us to all parts of this ground. He got about 140 against guys like Carl Rackerman, you know, test-quality bowlers that we sent over there, Rodney Hogg. There was some there were some talented English people that went over there as yeah. well. They weren't just a nothing sort. Yeah, exactly, and he... Pulverised them at the age of forty-five. Well, um, he was the, the the big linchpin of the South African side when they beat us in consecutive tours. Was it three-one and four-one, yeah. or three-nil and four-one, yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it was so, something like that. Um, yeah, and just just made us look silly. Yeah. Um, 
Well, what so, those, so what far, test numbers again? So twenty two hundred runs at sixty one. Sixty one. Yeah. Because yeah. see, I mean, you, you see them all the time in those like yeah. all time best averages. Because yeah. they use those all time ones. I think they have a minimum of twenty games. Which yeah. Is, so he just sneaks in. Yeah. Or I mean, they have a qualification of two thousand runs. Oh, that's yeah. 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 Unfortunately, and, you also see Adam Voges. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the roads we put up against New Zealand and the West Indies that year yeah, yeah. paved Voges' way into the history books. I mean, I love Adam Voges, but yeah, he, he's not all-time. Yeah. No. This is one of the he's ones... He's not going to make the all-time Australians. Adam Voges is the... is the um, He's a classic example. Classic example of how statistics aren't everything. You need yeah, to look true. further than the statistics. But it's not the case with, with Pollock. He yeah, played so much more tests. Nah. So, so many more. Extrapolate his thing, what he played, 21 tests, 22 tests. Extrapolate that to 100 tests. So there's 10,000 plus runs. Yeah. And I went an average of 60. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's Ricky Ponting numbers in the modern era. Yeah. You know, before Ponting started his downward slide, you know, he was averaging 62 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Steve Smith. Yeah, averaging sixty. You know, and, it, we, and, and we it can, can be done. And Steve yeah. Smith played what seventy odd tests, so you can play a chunk of your career. And like Pollock, from all accounts, was that good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so moving on there, uh, we've got a number five. Where are we going for five? Oh, we've yeah. got our I've got our baby Yeah, I'm so happy. Cool. There's another lock. <laughs> we agree with that. AB de Villiers, I think, is. So immensely close, and like I would have to think up reasons why he's not the best batsman that I've had the privilege of watching. The guy is technically flawless. He will come out and give you the business and score 150 or 40 odd balls or whatever it was in a World Cup, mm-hmm. hitting it to all parts. Doesn't matter what you bowl, he'll find some way to hit it for four or six. He's like a cheat code. Mm-hmm. But then. <laughs> He'll also turn around and go, shit, we have to bat for a day and a half to save this game. So I'll score I'm, 40 off three. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you 25 off 280 balls. Yeah. And just not even look like getting out. And yeah. just and everything in between. Um Johnson, straight after Mitchell Johnson decimated the Poms. This is a, an English side that just beat us 3-0 in England, came over to Australia, and Mitchell Johnson like ended careers. Form of his life. There's scarcely been a fast bowler had a better run of form. Mm-hmm. Went over to South Africa. That form continued. Gutted. Absolutely gutted the South African top order. Outstrolls um, AB de Villiers. Like three, four balls after I remember Hashim Amla getting smashed in the face with the... Like he's hit a bouncer. Amla's tried to get out of the way. It smashed him in the face. Not long after that, he's got rid of him. Out comes A.B. De Villiers. Another, like, just face-ripping-off bouncer. De Villiers just sort of steps back, hops on his toes, and just dead bats it into short cover. What? I've, I've watched, like, six straight test matches, and no one's done that. And then it just proceeded to while... Is that the, the one where he got the 170? No, he got 96, and that was only oh, because yeah, yeah. The, the, everyone else got out, and he started just slogging, and he got caught yeah. in the deep. I but, remember him getting 170 against us in a test match. Yeah. And when, again, we were all we were all over him like a rash. I think it was in Australia. No, uh, no that, in that, that 170, right. I think, was just before Sandpaper Gate. Wasn't that the game before Sandpaper Gate? Might have been. Um, and he yeah. belted us. Like yeah. 170 off about 190 balls in a test match when everybody yeah. else has fallen by the wayside. And it was no just wonder ridiculous. David Warner didn't like him. 
Um, yeah. Sat there watching him just belt the crap out of our bowlers. 80, um, nearly 9,000 runs at 50, 2200s, 4650s. Now, I know we're not talking about one-day internationals, but he averages 50 in one-day internationals at a strike rate of 101. Yep. So for his entire career, he has batted faster than a runner ball. And and he wicket kept early in his career. Oh, I thought the middle of his career. And he uh, he can bowl he, as well. He and he is a very good fieldsman as well. Mm. Like uh, one of the very best. He, he, he came out in that in that uh, 2015 World Cup, and we were playing that kind of like fantasy league. Oh yeah! All of a sudden, AB's bowling because uh, Vernon Philander went down or something like that. And he picked up two wickets and got yeah. a run out on the back of like a He's like a, a forty ball seventy or he something. He's a modern day freak. Yep. Um, um, one of my favourite all time players. And I think cricket was like uh, you know it was close. Yeah, I think he was close to playing hockey. For, oh, I'm, for I'm sure with well, Davilius, he was close to playing a lot of things. It just seems like, like he's that. a guy that would have been a freak at whatever. Like yeah. Football or soccer, depending yeah. on what language you speak, was something that he was pretty good at as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so he's in. He's, he's in. Be, he's cool. Moving on. But he's not keeping, right? No. 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 no not so, in anyone's team for keeping. Yeah. No. So no, this no, is where no, I think no. we're – so we've been pretty good. We've, we've gotten through the top five. We've had no real disagreements. This is where I think things are going to get a little hairy. Yeah. I have – gone with and by a bit of a coin flip and more and a lot to do with the players that I've picked after this player, I've gone with Quinton Cock at six, who will wicket keep for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is to make room for my other two bowling all rounders. Okay. Now the obvious answer straight away would be Shall we all just, you know, Mark, stake our claim? <laughs> um yeah. Mark Boucher, you know, off the top of your head, you're not thinking about it, Mark Boucher should be the all-time wicketkeeper. He's got the all-time leaders in dismissals. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a, a fantastic lower-order batsman, you know, seen in many a time coming out, having that dashing number seven innings, what have you. But when you look into the details, Quinton de Gock's a much better batsman, retired well before his time due to some of the stuff that's been going on in South African cricket. Yeah. Average is 39. So for me to make room for these two all-rounders, who I do think deserve a spot, in the all-time. I'm not just making a, a side I think will play well. I think these two guys should be in the all-time 11. Yeah. But neither of them are quite good enough to bat in the top six. This guy can genuinely bat in the top six. I think he averages 45 when he bats at six. Mm-hmm. Um, 600s, 2250s. And I know it's a little bit cheating. We're just using maths and it's not base, pure maths. But if you take his dismissals per game and times them by the amount of games that Boucher played... De Kock yeah. well and truly has Boucher covered in terms of dismissals. So he's not just a batsman who's an okay keeper. He was a very good keeper in his own right as well. Yeah. And I would say that he's probably a more complete keeper because Boucher never really kept to any sort of decent spin, whereas that was something that... Um, who's Paul De, Adams? De, De Kock, I always bring this up. <laughs> De, De Kock had a little bit more experience having to play with that with um, Maharaj. Yeah. Uh, so you could argue that, but you had to, you had to keep to Paul Adams, and that would have been hard because you would have been <laughs> trying not to piss yourself every time you bowled. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, so that's my argument. My argument is that I think because in the, the makeup of the side that I've got for the other players, that um, I think these two players are a more deserving than Boucher to get in yeah. um, to make up the, the part of my bowling attack. Decock is a better batsman keeper, while still right. being a very good keeper, and. And yeah, so that's there's my there's the cock. That's my yeah. argument for the the next spot. 
Oh. Well, I think, uh, you know, you, you're right. There's nothing wrong with Dukok as a, a um, wicketkeeper. He did end up playing um, 54 games, so we're not talking like a... It's um, not as, as a fair sample size, mm-hmm. and he's a match winner. Yeah. Yep. That is probably, oh, we were talking about this off air previously, he's probably as close to Adam Gilchrist as we've seen since Gilchrist retired in that mould of this dashing guy coming out at six or seven and just smash it. Yeah. Okay, he would be the closest that we've seen. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we'll probably go, I, I, I'll probably cave and we'll go, but um, I will just say that I think probably Boucher is still the better keeper. Um, because I, I just think that, uh, I mean, a good, it's very hard to statistically um, analyze the value of a keeper. I know, I spent a long time trying to find <laughs> keeping stats that would back yeah. me up. I went to like most dismissals in yeah. a match and they both. Yeah. I've taken a a total of like a the highest total they've both got is nine. Yeah. Boucher has obviously by playing more has more occurrences of taking nine. big yeah. hauls in a match, but they've the, like they've both taken nine as the most yeah. dismissals and, in a match. And <laughs> to be fair to um the cock as well, Boucher had one hell of a pace bowling attack to keep to, which were providing yeah. him with a lot more opportunities. Than, oh, well, than, I don't know. The Cock would have played with I, Philander and Stain yeah, and Morkel. Yeah, and, I still think that like, Boucher would have spent the bulk of his career just having gun fast bowlers knocking people over. So, um, I, I agree. I, I think, I, I, I think I, Boucher I, had the, the better run of it. The but, one that I... I'm really interested in, and this is pre-apartheid, is Dennis Lindsay. Okay, now Dennis Lindsay, from all the reports, and I can only go on what I've read and stuff like that, was a wonderful wicketkeeper batsman and had his career cut short by the apartheid stuff like that, but averages like 40 and, you know, 40-odd in first-class cricket as well and was a really, really good wicketkeeper. So in the history of South Africa, it's not like it's these modern guys who were the uh, the only two who are in contention. So yeah. for those of you that don't know, so Dennis Lindsay played 19 games between 1963 and 1970 for South Africa. He got uh, 1,100 runs at 37 and uh, with 350. So that's what he did in the uh, in the test game. Um, which is they're, they're fair numbers. Like it, it is a very small sample size, but like a lot of plays in that era, they've unfortunately yeah. only got a um, a small sample size. Um, but yeah, there's nothing to. I think he played them again, most of them against Australia as well. So fairly handy opposition. He wasn't just playing against some some numbies. Yeah, like um, Bangladesh. But in his first class, 124 first class games, 35. Uh, 1200s, so another 900s and 2950s. So, not stellar numbers, but numbers that say that he'd probably emulate those sort of numbers going along his career. He'd be averaging in the mid 30s, which is better than Boucher, not quite as good as Decock. Um, mm. you know, and you know, pretty good, you know, you got yeah. well so rated as a wicketkeeper. The interesting thing that I see sort of gelling out of all of this is we're essentially looking at batting our keeper at six. Again, yeah. coming back to the batting order and the players who we want to, who we think deserve to be in the team, because that's the thing that deserves to be in the team. I have no problem with Quentin the Cock being a keeper. Mm. You know, we, we have to have a vote. I've, I've 
put more forward my candidate, but I can also see, you know, De Kock is still, even though he's not playing test cricket, one of the best keeper batsmen in the world. Mm. Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. If we were talking one day, is he? Oh, he's looking, one of the guys yeah. that walks in. He's yeah. a, he's an absolute lock at the top of the order. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, I suppose the question is, will we be still talking about Quentin De Kock in twenty years? I think there's no reason why he wouldn't. They're very mm. impressive numbers that he's put up. Yeah. You know, like we said, it's not a small sample size. He's played 50-odd test I, matches. I mean, Lindsay and Boucher have made their way into South African folklore. Um, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you think South African cricket, you know, I, I didn't see David Lindsay play, so I think, you know, we could keep a Boucher, mm. you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, you've all got to take one of the two between Boucher and De Kock. I'm taking De Kock. Yep. <laughs> so we're we're blend towards right. De Kock. I actually thought I was going to lose that one. No, well, I think that we we're looking at the balance of the team as well. And if you play De Kock, then you can play. Oh well, I mean, you, you can play I, a really. I, I really know what's strong. coming, and you could you could almost. I mean, it leads to a who I assume is probably he's got to make the side. You could almost bring Sean Pollock up and bat him at six. No. Well, I think you could. I think he... Um, Depending on... It may be on con- in certain conditions, no. Mm. no. Well, I think uh, if you... I think if, it's, if South Africa did that, it might have actually paid dividends more often. He, I think he, he was wasted a little bit at eight. I oh, think he could have come up. I, I think, like, I... I in terms of individual success, I can I can certainly see where you're coming from, but I think South Africa went. Pollock is a good enough bowler to be the bowler, so let's just let him bowl. Yeah. And what we get at eight with him with the bat will take, one which means that we can then get a better batsman yeah, to, to bat, bat at to seven. bat at six. And because we've got Callus in the top order, then we can actually just pick a genuine gun batsman at at six or seven, depending on where we put the keeper, which usually was six because Boucher batted at seven. As opposed to going, let's we've got five gun batsmen at the top, and then we kind of need an all rounder to balance the side out. So we're going to middle of the range batsmen in there because we need someone who can bowl, and then we get the keeper, and then we got the bowlers. But this way, they could just go, stop it. Let's just pick six absolute like who are the best six batsmen we've got. Don't worry about it. We've got Callis and Pollock. Mm. Pick six gun batsmen, and we'll go from there. And that and it certainly paid a lot of dividends, even in um. It wasn't so much Pollock. So after Pollock, they did the similar sort of thing when Boucher got injured and they made De Villiers the wicketkeeper because they had their all-rounder and their wicketkeeper, which are two typically the weakest batting positions that you've got in your your seven are typically your all-rounder and your wicketkeeper. And they both averaged 55, which meant that – and they batted in the top five. So six and seven were typically good batsmen or – Helping out with an extra spin bowler or yeah, but the flexibility that those type of guys give the team is just extraordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So while I agree, I think Pollock would have potentially paid them back by being a working into being a a, a a decent top six batsman. I just I don't think it was necessarily something they had to do or should have done. Um, no, I, I, for for the success of their side. Yeah. But I, I get exactly where you're coming from by saying that if they batted him at six, Pollock was probably good enough to. Repay the faith. I think if you were gonna if you were gonna bat any sort of an all rounder at six who was like a gun bowler out of the group that we'd be culling through at this moment, you'd probably be looking at Mike Proctor. Yeah, well having a look at um at Pollock's 
uh, test stats. He played 52 innings at 7 and 79 at 8, but only 2 at 6. So he sort of was that lower order. Mm. Immediately, like I said, that's the makeup of the side. That's not saying that he wouldn't have made it. Mm. Um, so we're sort of, well, we're sort of, Unofficially announced who my next two picks are, which would be seven and eight being Pollock and Mike Proctor as my next two picks for this song. Yeah. Well, let's um, say uh, Quentin de Cock at six. Yeah. Sean Pollock, I'm assuming, at seven. I would No, I would have played Mike Proctor at seven. Mm. Yeah. Um, so just for some numbers. So Pollock, uh, test-wise, 108 tests, 3,800 runs at 32, 216.50s. Um, 421 wickets at 23, 16 fifers. I think that speaks for itself. He's making the side, yeah. even as a bowler. Yeah. Proctor, not Very as much. Handy runs. <laughs> Mike Proctor played seven tests, 226 runs at 25, with no score over 48. Yeah. But he did That's play. That's a small sample size, though. 41 wickets at 15. In that um, in Whoa. the seven games, <laughs> so forty one wickets. Forty one wickets in, in fifteen games. No, forty one wickets in seven. Seven games. games. Oh, 15, oh, no, 15 innings. Yeah, he's fifteen. No, he's, no, his average right. was his oh, average right, right, was fifteen. Right, right. Forty one at fifteen. Yeah, right. Uh, when you go to first class. 22,000 or near enough runs at 36. 22,000? With four. How long did he play? A long time. 401 first class. Oh, games. rightio. Okay. 4,800s and 109.50s. He actually, I think, was the only player uh, other than Bradman to score con- six consecutive first class hundreds. Right. Um, they were There was jokes of renaming Gloucestershire to Proctorshire because he was right. that good for them. Yeah. Um, 1,417 wickets at 19. Wow. How good a bowler do you need to be to play 400 first class games and average 19 with a ball? That's crazy. 75ers. Now, I know we're taking a lot of uh, you know, Liberty here, we've picked three players in this side that have played a combined 30 test matches. Yeah. But I think when you look at the sheer weight of their first-class um, stature and what they've achieved and just yeah. the general consensus around how good these guys were playing against some of the best people in the world in the domestic systems, they would have made good test cricketers. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think... I mean, he's, he's got a first-class average like Kirtley Ambrose, and he can bat. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I think the 48 first-class hundreds gets Proctor at seven, yeah. Pollock at eight. And um, he also played World Series cricket, I should say, as yeah. well. And Proctor. did very well. Uh, 182 runs at 30 in four games with two fifties, and then 14 wickets at 16. Mm. In four games. So it's, it's pretty consistent across the board with that, you know, mm. teenage average. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. just took wickets for fun. Yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had to be he had to be in my team. Like, yeah. um, I, I Did was, he umpire later on as well? No, he, became, he, he did become an administrator. I think it's a yeah. match referee. Oh, match referee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike. I thought yeah. very, very long and hard about trying to put um, uh, Vernon Philander in this yeah. spot. Um, well, I just couldn't go past the numbers that Proctor put up. No. Um, and Vernon Philander was a, a very good bowler yeah, and, yeah. and a decent all rounder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, and and, and you you've got to think about other guys who probably will miss out now because uh, Sean Pollock had this guy who was like his dad. 
Yeah. And uh, his name Peter. is Peter Pollock. Yeah. We've already got two Pollocks, uh, and they're from the same family. Yeah, yeah well, Graham and um, Peter are brothers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I think he averaged 24 at test level and low 20s with the bat. So his son just just yeah. gets him out by being a slightly better bat, I think. Well, yeah, and it also means that um, Morkel, Ntini, yeah, Rabada, yeah, guys like that, they're all missing out because we know that the next two quick bowlers are going to be Stain and Donald. Yeah. Like, let's not joke around. We're not going to leave out White Lightning. We're not going to. We're not going to hold the, the audience if, suspense. The, no. the next, there's going to be four quick bowlers and Callis, Proctor, Pollock, and the next two are obviously going to be Dale Stain and Alan Donald. Right. So they're there. That, that's the thing. You're, I'm assuming that no one here is going to argue with that. They're, they're going to be no. There's um, no argument at all. No. <laughs> <If> you, you, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to find one. They're like for devil's yeah. advocate. Let's find an argument we don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Stain and no, no. So, so, so they the both. Only, they, the only thing we got left is. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I just want to finish the thought. I just like I love Dale Stain. He's my other favourite cricketer that's not Australian. So I'm going to go through and just rattle off their numbers. So Stain, yeah, go ahead. 439 wickets at 22, 26 fifers, and has uh, just goes everywhere. He dominated in South Africa, dominates in England, dominates in the subcontinent. You know, he just goes everywhere. He's just. He's a guy that can do just about everything with the ball. Bowls 145 kilometres per hour. Bowls in swingers. Bowls out swingers. Cuts the ball off the seam. Bowls a mean, mean bouncer. And then you annoy him, and he ends up finding another five or six kilometres per hour. Yeah. And what about those like veins in his neck? Oh, when he, you know that that skit. Was it Mike Hussey that he clean bowled and then came up and just like tensed everything? And it was like watching. He looks. He looks that scary sometimes when he yeah. takes a wicket. That in a test yeah. match, I just knock the stumps over when I'm out for the second innings. Yeah. I didn't want to see that again. It's like, the closest thing you'll get to uh, the Incredible Hulk in real life, oh, except um, he's not green. Outrageous. <laughs> and then you go to Donald, 330 wickets at 22. Yeah, twenty-five wicket hauls, white lightning. You yeah, decimated I, teams of fun. You you are unlucky to have not seen him play. I mean, he was he was a worthy adversary. I mean, you would have maybe caught the end of his career. I caught the end of his career, yeah. and you know the internet has you know then let me go and watch. Yeah, I mean, there's still nothing like watching. There, him he bowl, there's there's actually a good one on um, YouTube at the moment. He bowls his spell over in England. And I forget who the batsman was, but my God, I bet he didn't sleep very well that night because Donald sorted him. Was that? Out. Are you talking about the one where he got? Was it Mike Atherton? I think you're talking about where he got him out plum LBW. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, given, yeah. It was given not out. I saw that. And he just got really, and he just really went annoyed. and made the next like well, four or five minutes of the YouTube video, right. which would have turned out to probably be the next two sessions. Just like I'm going right. to just make your you yeah. should have been out, I and I'm going to make your life miserable. Yeah. I don't think he was trying to get him out. He was trying no, to keep him in to, <laughs> to actually hurt him. It was like, like it's like a boxer just not going to knock out. Punch. I'm just going to hurt you, but let you stand on your feet for a bit, make <laughs> you suffer. Yeah. Um, all right, so Donald in our team would be batting at 11. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Stain, Stain made that big 72 against us. Oh, yeah, Stain, I think, good know. enough to bat nine. That was that one where Mike Hussey, he skied one and Mike Hussey just completely got lost. Oh, doesn't, doesn't that get a replay or two? <laughs> Every time yeah. that Mike Hussey just like looks yeah. at the commentary box, yeah. That, oh, Hussey's about to come on. That was a load the tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the last one, well, for the you know, you'd imagine to be a spinner, and yeah. spinners have 
Yeah. South Africa have not produced uh, a plethora of test spinners. Well, there's Paul Adam. <laughs> I know, that's the second time you pulled that. <laughs> um, and, and it's I like think, Richard Chiqui, I have to say it. Um, <laughs> the, I'm going to give an honourable mention to, to, um, to Maharaj. I think he's turning into a fantastic spinner at the moment. Yeah. Um, doing a phenomenal job, averaging just a tick over 30. Well, and in today's climate as an off spinner, a tick over 30 is, you know, He's elite company. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about Nathan Lyon being, you know, one of the best, not in contention to be one of the best off spinners in the world. Yeah. And he's averaging a tick over 30. Yeah. So he's very good. Everyone forgets about Maharaj, but he's just chipping away. And, and he's handy with the bat too. So, yeah. um, but I'm going with a pre apartheid player in Hugh Tayfield. Yeah, Melbourne Hugh Tayfield as well. Um, 37 tests, 170 wickets at 26. And when he retired, he was the fastest South African to 100 wickets. And you know the next bowler that um, beat that record? Was it Donald? It was Dale Stane. Dale Stane. So, oh, Donald. so yeah, Donald right. didn't get him. I, I only know the legend of Hugh Hayford. Obviously, it's before my time, but everything I've ever read about the guy, he was just a superb technician of an off-spinner. Um, great control, really, really hard to score off. But, yeah, had his numbers are, are quite spectacular, really, for an off-spinner when you think about it. Hmm. And he played in an era where South Africa weren't all that successful. So, um, in the, if you look in at the historical perspective, I think over a long period of time, he certainly stands out as the quality spinner of, of that's been produced from there. They've had some other good spinners. Well, Hugh Tayfield is rated as one of the best off spinners the world has seen, not just South Africa. He his num his ability rates. Globally, um, he was named Wisdom Cricketer of the Year in 1956. So, um, his first class stats 187 first class games, 864 wickets at 21. Um, so he's an off spinner, yeah. Hmm. That's not bad. So, I'm, I'm more that's where my vote, yeah. Lies no, anyway. you can't you can't go past Tayfield, I think. Yeah, that I've never seen him play, but that record speaks for itself, okay. I think. Um, Maharaj is good. But I'm pretty sure he's got a test hat-trick too, Tayfield. But not all-time good, yeah. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that rounds it out. Graeme Smith, Barry Richards, Jacques Callis, Graham Pollock, A.B. de Villiers, Quinton de Kock, uh, Mike, Proctor. Mike Proctor, Sean Pollock, Dale Stane, Hugh Tayfield, and Alan Donald. We don't want to yeah. play against you. No <laughs> way. Uh, that, that will... That will Take the fight to just about any of the world 11s that we're, we're going to name. That yeah. team will go close to beating them all. And some, yeah. some pretty decent players have missed, as we said. Um, well, yeah. We haven't even discussed guys like Herschel Gibbs and stuff like that. Hashim Amla, nearly 10,000 runs at 46. The, um, my thing about Amla, why he, he, in his last four or five years, his output. It's disintegrated considerably. Yeah, like he the, lost over the kind of like, five years. Kind of lost like, seven runs and innings out of his kind of like Ponting. How Ponting's last few yes. years really took away from what Ponting was like at his peak. Yeah. Same with Amla. Mm -hmm. Amla was uh, consistently yeah. averaging um, yeah. above fifty. You know, triple hundred at Lords. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's another guy that I wanted to mention uh, who wouldn't wouldn't quite make it, but was a good player, Farney Davilius. Yeah. Um, like he, he was he, going, it's just too small a sample size, but 18 tests, yeah, average of 24 bowling. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of his career was spent playing first-class cricket in England right. before they got back in. Uh, um, he started in 86, ended up retiring, so, yeah. Um, Mackay and Teeny, he yeah. would have meant a lot to the fabric of... Um, yeah. Of, of South African cricket as well, and he's got a fair record, 400 on wickets at 28. He's a yeah. guy that's the considering. Yeah. Um, I think if we did this, if we revisited this 10 years from now, we we'd, would be yeah. trying. We would Kigizo Rabada would be in this squad. Yeah, we'd have yeah. to be looking um, to find a spot for him. I mean, the only reason that I really didn't consider him at this point in time is if he was if he retired tomorrow. Yeah. would he be in the best? Eleven of all time. I think. No. He'd, I think he'd go close. Oh, he was right on periphery for me because he's no. already the fifth or sixth no. highest wicket taker. I, I just would struggle to find a spot for him in that bowling attack at this mm. point in time. Yeah. Well, mm. that bowling attack we've just put on that yeah, is like. It's <laughs> I mean, like it would be great to see a match it, between the West Indies team that we picked and the team we've picked oh, for South Africa. Yeah. That I, would be cricketing heaven. I would think that if. Um, if Rabada's numbers hold throughout his and he plays yeah. a fairly lengthy career, which is no reason why to imagine it shouldn't, because he's he's always improving, um, that he would probably have to oust someone like Mike Proctor, which yeah. while has an incredible first class record, yeah. it is a first class record. Yeah, but then you're looking mm-hmm. at. I mean, this was the point that I was making at the start: is the balance of the yeah. team in the batting order, which that is you're the looking which at. was the big thing that I had is could I get away with Proctor and. Pollock at seven and eight. If I had to not pick one of them, so if I dropped say Proctor on the basis that he only played first class cricket, right. I wouldn't be comfortable with Pollock at seven. So I'd have to then move the wicketkeeper down one and find another batsman who yeah. I would be thinking at this point would maybe be someone like Amlar, yeah. um, maybe a Herschel Gibbs. Well, you you push you probably if you're going to go that way. You'd push Amlar up the free and push everybody down one. Yeah, and then you know except the, Graham Pollock. Graham Pollock stays where he is. Yeah, so then you have um, you know Davilius at six. Yeah, oh, um, geez, Davilius at Callis at five. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, Dukok, but yeah, so, but I think we, we've going to change the whole structure of your side I know. Just because of someone else, which, I, which I think yeah. is a really difficult thing with South Africa. Like is that their 15 would be ridiculously strong. It, their it, squad. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not just like, oh, do we pick, say, for example, like, do we pick McGrath or Lily? They're a like for like, but if you take Proctor out, it does, it fluctuates yeah. the whole They're not a team, structure. they're, a, they're an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I thought it was really interesting looking at that going, okay, if if I don't convince the guys to come with me on some of these picks, then I have to rejig mm-hmm. where I go and, and, and yeah. then who comes in because I don't think I can play with with Pollock at seven, so who comes in. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a really interesting – not only was it learning about the ins and outs of some of these – players in the history of South African cricket, but then also, yeah, because they have so many good all-rounders, it's not just yeah. a simple just like six batsmen, wicketkeeper, four bowlers no. style well, team. I was always going to be about the balance of what we thought was going to be with the guys who we needed to have in the team and then fill in the slots around them. So it was always going to be a matter of does a keeper bat six or seven? You know, we're going to have a keeper who bats at six to cost yeah. the man. Yeah, true. And, right. and I think on that too as well, like we've, we've we've set up the team situationally, but I do think that their numbers, so even if Dukok wasn't going to be used as a number six, if you wanted to pick him as a seven, number seven, there to do a job as a wicketkeeper, his numbers hold up. So I, while Mark Boucher is an incredible player, you know, he retired as the all-time leading dismissals, you know, one of the gold standards of wicketkeeping, 
I, I don't think it is that much of a stretch to say that de Kock is in that same. It's not a. It's not an insult. No. that de Kock beats him out. Like he's still a very good player, and, yeah. and, and by the same token, it quite easily could turn it around and have Boucher in that side and just yeah. run with the the, the three batsmen averaging thirty from six through to to eight, and back that your guns at the top will help you get the job done. So mm-hmm. I think that was a, a bit of a coin flip, but I, I, I I'm happy with that decision that de Kock being the the you know on par. Probably not quite as good, but on par as a wicketkeeper while being well, a far think, more dynamic batsman. I think it's a talking point. Get on us. Get on Facebook. The interesting yeah. thing that I've noticed of all of those teams that we're picking, but we're picking them in a very Australian manner. They're all very attacking cricket teams, aren't they? Yeah, good they're on us. Not, <laughs> they're, not, they're not dour. None um, of these teams are drawing any games. No, there's not. There's, like even the Zimbabweans, they would give you one hell of a game. Yeah. Well, we, we ended they up would either them. go really well or really poorly. Yeah, we went with... If they got something out of their bowlers, yeah. they had enough batting there to cause you some problems. We went with Strang. At ten, who yeah. has a test hundred? Yeah. So, yeah. like, and his leg spinner, and a leg spinner. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, that will do us for this one. That was yeah. a really fun one. I really enjoyed doing oh, South Africa because it's one of my yes, yeah. my, it's my other team. I, I love South Africa. That was fun. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of. Um, it's been so educational. Yeah, yeah. I really what I love about these. Yeah. things, Yeah. We're really delving deep and like... We're talking about players that we wouldn't normally... Yeah, And I think the thing too, because we're rocking up and we're actually having a discussion about it, if we're going to make a point, we have to have... And we're not, you know, we're not doing a lot of pre-organisation before we do these. Like we're we're coming in with our mindset, but we haven't sort of worked it out beforehand. Before anyone thinks, oh yeah, they're just waffling on. I had my 11, but I hadn't actually checked with Glenn or Aaron about who theirs was. So I had to be prepared for any points that I thought there might be conjecture. So DeCock was one, Proctor was one. Um, what I need to have ammunition. How am I going to justify this to ahead of some of these other players? And, and the same thing with, um, with Zimbabwe, which I think was great because, um, you know, we all had to go and learn stuff. It well, was... the Brendan Taylor one was the interesting one for us from Zimbabwe, wasn't it? Yeah. Because his numbers on papers uh, were pretty impressive, but we delved deeper into the numbers and when two-thirds of your runs are against Bangladesh and yeah. you've got a guy like right. Matt Kadza who made five test hundreds against various cricketing nations, um, he's got to be in the team. Yeah. And I do, Brendan Taylor is a, a victim of his, he can only score runs against who he's playing against, but by the same token, I think that sort of works against him a little bit when yeah. you are cashing in big against one team and it's not as strong elsewhere. So, it, yeah, it's been really good doing this. It's not just rattling off names, looking at, you know, the batting and bowling the averages and then yeah. just going, this is what it is. We've actually had to come and go, I think it should be this player because of this. So it's been a great experience. And, um, yeah, we've got, some, we've got plenty more to do and looking forward to it. Um, we are going to take a brief hiatus, though, because as I said at the beginning, I'm going on holidays. So we will uh, adjourn for a week. So you'll just have to yeah. wait a week in anticipation of the team that we're going to do next. Oh, oh, oh great leader, have you decided who, who we shall be... Um I haven't decided who it's going to be next. I, I'm leaning England, but I, I want to bring on a, yeah. a guest star to do England yeah. um, to try and even out the bias a little bit. Yeah, so this is the thing. Like, <laughs> so it'll that'll be it'll depend on his availability. If he's available for our next episode, then it might be England. If he's not available, then we might have to do someone else first and yeah. then come back to it. But uh, 
And I think England will be it'll be interesting because that's yeah, it's they're the oldest Test nation. There's quite a lot to go through. And well, I'm just wondering if WJ Grace is going to make our team. <laughs> yeah. That'd be delving right back into the Oh, yeah. Course. Absolutely. He definitely and makes and the, the best beard 11. I don't know. I think he makes the best banter 11 when he gets out bold and he goes, nah, nah. no one came to see you bowl. They came to see me bat and then just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great uh, thing about uh, WG Grace. You know, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, how they have. Um, that they're talking to God and he appears in the sky. Yeah. It's a picture of W.G. Grace. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fact. <laughs> yeah. oh. uh, on that note, that will do us for this episode. Thank you yeah. for joining us. We'll have this posted up on our uh, social medias in the uh, the next few days. Um, get on, join us. I think this one's going to be a really good one because there are a, a number of eye-raising selections that we made and different directions yeah. we could have gone things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the chat yep. that we have about... Um, us having to, to justify well, we've got a regular points. contributor now. Yeah. Right. He doesn't listen to the podcasts, but you know, when he starts, we'll give him a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of times going, How did you not pick this guy? And it's like, Well, if you listen to the podcast, we actually articulated why we didn't go with that guy, but you know, yeah, I'll write it out now as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. No, I, right. I don't mean yes. to make that sound like I'm having a go at him. It's, it's yeah. awesome getting we, him. We would love it. We love the interaction. Yeah, we sure do. So, all right, guys, until well, for, for two weeks. Bye for now. See ya. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.